podcast for men and women to learn about what it truly means to be a father. You'll hear men talk about the challenges, joys, triumphs, and the heartaches they've faced, and what lessons they've learned along the way. I hope this is an incredible resource, as I wish I had it during fatherhood. It's an honest and real look into this incredible passage of life. Hopefully, by listening, you'll learn, resonate, and identify with people's journeys. I'll be talking to new dads, as well as those who have grown up kids, plus everything in between. In this solo pod, I talk about my journey of being a dad. I share the challenges I faced along the way and how I didn't know what I was doing, but worked it out as I went. I've made lots of mistakes, but I've always tried to be present, stay connected, and be there for my kids as much as I can, to give all of myself so they feel loved and appreciated. I talk about my relationship with my father and how he wasn't there for me when I needed him, what he taught me, and how I've loved and will continue to love being a dad. It's the toughest challenge I've ever undertaken, but by far the most rewarding of my life. I truly hope you enjoy the experience as much as I did. So welcome, Dan. This is unusual for me to talk to myself. It's a challenging experience, I have to say, but one that I really wanted to do as part of a new podcast that I'm doing for dads to help men and women understand what it means to be a dad. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to launch a new podcast where I talk to other men about what it means to be a dad, then what better way to start than to ask myself some of the questions I'm going to be asking other people. Being a dad, I'm a father of three kids. I thought, you know what, I've got a story to tell. I want to share my experience and what I've learned and what I am continue to learn of being a dad with everybody else. So here goes... I don't know if I really gave it a lot of thought about what it means to be a dad. What did I think it would be like to be a dad? I became a dad in my late 30s. I met my partner at the time uh, when I was in my early 30s. We were together for about five years and then we decided to have children. I think that was always something that was just a given that we would do. If I look back on it now, would I have changed my thinking around having children? I think I always wanted to have children. I don't know that I'd given it a great deal of thought, apart from the idea of having kids was was good, yeah. And also if I look into what was going on around me, my partner, our peers, and just the world at large, that's what you did. You had kids. So it felt very much like, well, yes, you get married, which is what we did, and then you have kids. So we just followed that path. Would I do it differently now? I don't know. I think I still would have kids. So I didn't give it a lot of thought about what it would be like to be a dad. I just just wanted to be a dad. I don't believe I I asked anybody specifically, certainly no peers, so not my dad, about what it was like to be a dad, what was his experience of being dad and, and what was other people's who already had kids. Because I had friends who had already had kids before we had kids. If I think back to the first child that we had and the pregnancy and what I was like during that time, it was, oh my God, there was a lot of excitement. I was really excited about it. I don't remember being daunted by the prospect of having a child. I don't remember thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to me. I don't really want to do this. This was 
oh my God, this is incredible. There's a baby growing inside. And I was genuinely very excited and I was very involved in that sense of being with her, feeling this is our child, that we were on this journey together and wouldn't this be amazing for us both? I was very, very excited. And that was that was brilliant. The birth, and as I said, we, we, we wanted to have a natural birth. Unfortunately, that didn't transpire that way. And my wife at the time, she was taking too long during labour to do what she needed to do, unfortunately. And they, uh, in the end, the doctor said, right, we're going to have to give you a C-section, which she didn't want to do at all. And it was very much in... in contrast to what we'd anticipate as I said however that was the journey and then we had a baby boy I remember seeing him there and you're like oh my god this here we go uh, we've created this unbelievable human being this little baby this entity this incredible thing that's there in front of that I can hold and wow it's it's ours and that was amazing if I look back on it now and think that was a truly beautiful moment to hold him I remember being there in that moment it being incredible and then you share that moment that beginning with your family and friends and it's so incredible and everyone's around you and the love and the feeling of that's just unbelievable and then you we left the hospital and all the rest of it and you get back into normal-ish life I always wanted to be a very hands-on dad and be very involved because my dad wasn't I had real issues with my my father the way he parented me when I was a child I've learned to understand and have compassion for him and accept that he did what he could do based on the way he was parented and the and his his limitations however if I look at how I was parented by my dad, the one thing that stood out for me that became extremely important, which I didn't get, particularly my dad was detached, removed, not present, not there. And I know how that made me feel. I've got two brothers, one older, one younger. We were relatively close, we did things together, but there were lots of times where I felt very alone. And there were times as a child at school, issues that I had, I just kept myself to myself. and very sensitive little boy, felt very alone. And I thought, you know what? I don't want my kids to feel like I've felt. So I want to be very present, there for them, and able to help them and guide them as much as I possibly can. So that was what was really, really present for me. So when it came to doing things again I'm a my nature is to give and to be and to be present and so when it came to responsibilities I, I'd be the person that would feed him sort of late at night 11 12 o'clock whenever it was he needed feeding I can't remember the exact time doesn't matter now but I would feed him and it was if I look back on it now again I, I, there's a real feeling I have of feeding him feeling very attached to him very connected to him very as one, loving the experience. Yeah, there were times once he'd taken the bottle and he had to, I had to burp him. I remember, you know, if I was really tired, uh, that he was like, okay, come on then. His name's Jude. Come on, Jude. <laughs> burp, 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 because then I was able to put him back into his uh, cot. But there was that. But, but generally, yeah, you know, I, I really felt connected and, and tried to 
be with him as much as I could. And as he grew to play with him, to be around him, to, to just to spend time with him. My connection with a child is much stronger once they're able to interact with me more. So whilst, I, whilst I've said all the things I did, and I absolutely did those things, as he got older, he, he was able to look at me uh, when they can't really look at you properly and you don't get any focus or any interact. There's no smiling. There's no response. It wasn't, it was, if I'm being honest, it was limiting for me and I wasn't as involved as I became be, be, uh, until I got that interaction back. Once there was a smile, once there was some response, once there was some connection, more of a connection, then I felt very much like, wow, yeah. And I was there and I did everything I could. I played with him, uh, whatever it was, read, all that stuff that I, that I thought was really important to connect with a child. Yeah, that, 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 so that Jude was the first child. I don't remember talking to my friends who would have had children, not all of them, but most of them had kids at the time already. don't remember talking so much about what their experience was like, comparing stories and talking about what it was like to be a dad. I think at that point in my life, I was quite a closed person, didn't share much. Maybe I'm not remembering that very well, but... I think that's what was going on for me. And then, yeah, I guess I felt, now I think about it, quite alone. Because I know my partner at the time, she had the baby to look after primarily. I don't think she'd gone back to work. And even as a, a newborn baby, and again, as he grew older, I, I still think I felt very alone. I didn't, I said, I didn't really talk to anyone about it. So I didn't really know what to do. I remember asking my mum at the beginning, what did she think about things to do? And what does it mean when he did this? And my ex would talk to her mother about things. And, and we had other people that we would talk to. So we got some sense of, well, oh, what does this mean? What does that mean? But when it actually came to me and what it meant to be a dad, I felt very alone. And I didn't really talk about what was going on for me with anybody I don't remember as I, said, I don't remember being afraid of was I doing the right thing. I, I think I, I'm an overthinker, so I think I would probably question what was I doing? Was it the right thing for him? And what else could I have done? And all that kind of stuff. But I didn't. I just didn't share that. And so I, I, that, that, if I look back on it now, that would would have been a lot better to be able to share that with people. And I would advocate that to anyone that you absolutely should do that if you people you can trust relatively soon after the we had the first child we decided i think my wife at the time decided because she was a bit older that she wanted to have a second child pretty soon after the first the gap between the two of them was 19 months if i look back with hindsight that probably was a mistake because they were too close together that was really challenging and then all of a sudden it was two kids and, and that felt a lot more, it wasn't like an extra child, therefore, oh, that's just an extra child. It was, it felt like a four more kids because two's a lot more than one. And even though it's only twice as much, but it felt way more than, than that. And it was pretty daunting. It was challenging because you had them at different stages. Yes, the first one was sleeping through the night by then. So that wasn't, he wasn't waking up. But then you were back to uh, having to get up and feed him and 
so so that was that was tough. I remember it was he was incredible, beautiful little boy, another boy, and I remember thinking, if I look back on it now, being a man, it was great to have two boys because I could relate to them. That's what I thought because I've got two brothers, so that whole male thing. Wow, this is fantastic! I've got boys. And there wasn't a part of me that wanted a girl particularly because I didn't know girls in terms of I didn't have a sister, I didn't have any relatives, females that were close to me. So it was all a male thing and it felt great. I got two little boys, isn't that brilliant? And I was not massively into sport, but big, big into football and therefore, wow, they can come with me to football. It was all of those thoughts, I think, in my head at the time. The second child was pretty straightforward. I th- then you had a lot more things to coordinate and manage because there were two of them and they both had different needs and they both needed to be looked after. And that's something that no one told me as a dad that even though I would understand the concept of it changes your whole life, wow, did it change my whole life. And there were lots of amazing things which I absolutely love about being a dad. But the time that you took for granted before you had children and the time afterwards, there's no comparison between the two. It was so different. There was not much time, if you were, like me, a hands-on daddy who wants to be very present for their children. So it was it was all of that. I was very there. I did lots of things. I helped my ex. I was involved in feeding. Essentially, it was the two of us, and we looked after our two boys, and it was incredible. It was amazing, but it was bloody challenging. And you, the, this lack of sleep thing was really challenging. I use the analogy of a fuel tank, you know, and when you, before you have kids, your fuel tank's full because you typically get a good amount of sleep every night unless you've got some issue with sleep, some kind of insomnia, I don't know, but you typically don't have that problem. The moment you have kids, if you're getting up in the night or you're waking up, I'm a light sleeper, so you wake up when the baby's crying, then your that fuel tank gets lower and lower and lower until eventually it gets to a point where it's empty and all of a sudden you're tired all the time. And if you're working, as I was, five days a week, long hours, then it's bloody tiring and it's challenging and you just got to do what you could do. And I can't even remember the connection that I had with my ex and how we were together. You, you, you'll probably, if I look back on it, it was an existence. There was euphoria and then there was challenges that they presented, issues, things you had to do with them, and also the just being really tired. But, you know... Generally incredible, I would absolutely advocate to anyone who's thinking having children, have children, but be very mindful of what, you know, what comes along with it. And we had two kids, I'm originally from London, we had two kids when we were in London, and then we took the decision to come and live in Melbourne, Australia, which is where I live now, and so we moved to Melbourne when the eldest was three? The second child was 18 months. So it's a big deal to come to a new country when I didn't have the support network with two very young kids. So that was challenging uh, as an experience. You have to grow as a person to meet new people, put yourself out there and not have anything to fall back on the family and the, the historical friends and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was challenging. We had a daughter, which was incredible because, as I said, I had two boys and I've got two brothers and I've also got two cousins that at the time very close to so it's all very male so there was a whole well there's a girl here and she was unbelievable she was born at home which people 
frowned upon and thought we were mad and God, not in a hospital. And even the hospitals were against it because my ex had two C-sections. So they didn't, I can't remember how we got, we were able to have a child at home. But anyway, incredible experience. Took a very long time. I think it took like two days for her to come out. But to be there in a bedroom when she comes out was unbelievable and something I will, like all of them, but particularly that birth was unbelievable when I was there to catch her as she came out because she literally flew out. It was just unbelievable. So I'll never forget that. They're just, just incredible. And as they get older, there are lots of challenges about we sent our kids to kinder and then you're picking schools. We went to the local primary schools. So that decision was relatively straightforward. But the eldest child at three or four, he was different. And there was something that things that he should be doing uh, as other kids would do. The, the kind of things that you would look for a child at that, 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 that age, he wasn't doing. And then we had to take him to, it came to the point, I think it was four, where he was at kinder. And they said, look, we think there's something that you should investigate because there's something that's not right. He's different. He would isolate himself he would be on his own he wouldn't uh, be part of the group as much as the other kids very easily distracted couldn't focus and they said look we think you should go and have him checked so we did and he was initially diagnosed with autism I think it was high functioning autism and that was really really daunting that was very challenging to hear that your child was different I think if I look back on it now, I felt like I just wanted to fit in because it was, again, for me, particularly as I'd moved country, it was all about trying to fit in and trying to belong and trying to find your place. And then I didn't know these people for a long time. And then all of a sudden I had a child who was different and who stood out and had challenges. And that's not to say that that's wrong or that's a bad thing, but I'm just bringing up what comes up for me. And at the time it was it was challenging, for challenging for both of us. Because then it required more investigation. We went to see more specialists. And there was a whole process. He had to go and see occupational therapists because he couldn't hold a pen. He couldn't write. He wouldn't read. And he was, as the kids got older, he was at school. He wouldn't sit in a classroom and be in the room like other kids would do. And he was hitting his brother and sister and he was hurting them. And that was tough. And in the end, we made the big decision, because it was a big decision, to put him on medication. And it wasn't something that either of us really wanted to do, because it was strong medication. Uh, it doesn't matter what the medication was, but it was something that we were advised by a paediatric neurologist, put him on this medication. But if I look back on it now... That was a challenging time because we went through a lot emotionally to have to to understand that our child was different, that he had special needs. And that was tough to handle as a parent. That really was. And I don't believe we had any external help, advice. But if I look at the two of us as parents, what did we do for ourselves to help help us navigate our way through that? We didn't really do anything. Maybe my partner didn't. I don't remember that. But I didn't. As a dad, I don't. I don't remember having anybody that I could turn to. I talked to my brothers, but they hadn't been through what I'd been through. I didn't have a friend that had been through that. So I remember feeling very alone 
in trying to understand and navigate my way through and how could I be a dad for this child who was different, who didn't have the same needs and how was I going to parent him? And they all had their own needs because they're all at different ages, three kids under five. So that's that's pretty full on to have to handle that full stop. Then when you put on top of that, one of them's got ADHD, which is what he was diagnosed with in the end, then that was tough. And, and I said he needs to go and see lots of people and do things outside of school where he needed help and the medication and all that kind of stuff. So navigating my way through that was, that was tough. That really was tough. I wish I'd had a therapist. I'd, I'd sort that out, which I didn't, or a friend to really talk to on a regular basis to discuss what was going on for me. I, I didn't do that. But what I do remember loving about being a dad was being as I said before, very present, very there for them, very engaged with them, wanting to them. So I would, because as a child, I remember my parents didn't have any money, so we never went anywhere, but they never did things with us. So as a family, we just didn't do anything. Yeah, we didn't go on holidays, but we didn't go on outings. So I don't remember talking to anyone about what I didn't do compared to what they did do, but... I remember just feeling sad. So on whatever level I thought, you know what, I don't I don't want my children to experience that because that's how I know how that made me feel. So I'm very there for them. So I used to take them as many places as I possibly could. It's always about the experience. Where could I take them? What could they experience? What would they get from that experience? That I thought that was more important than anything else. What did we do together? So on weekends when I wasn't working, I would take the three kids and we would go to places. And this was in Melbourne. We'd go to the zoo, or we'd go to the aquarium, or we'd, go, we'd just go on excursions because that to me was really important. And I used to spend a lot of time with them when it came to, the, to putting them to bed. I'd always read to them at night before they went to bed. And that whole spending time with them, I used to make up stories and feed their imagination and try and support them as much as I could and be there for them and guide them. And I did everything I possibly could for them, which interestingly feeds into other podcasts where I've talked about my nature to give and putting everybody else ahead of me. But my children, because it tapped into how I remember I felt, as I said before. So all of that meant that I was doing everything I possibly could for my children. And I would say that has, you know, I look now, my kids are the eldest, Jude's 17, Jess is 15, nearly 16, and Willow's just 13. And I have a very good relationship with them because I've always maintained that closeness to them, that openness. I place the importance on wanting them to feel very comfortable to be able to share stuff. I share stuff with them and I'll talk to them about what's going on for me. Because again, my dad would get very angry if, if things were going weren't going right with us and he had three boys and it was challenging. I remember how that anger made me feel. I remember how important it is to want to feel like your dad is there for you. So I was, I've always been very there for them. They can talk to me about absolutely anything because that is the most important. I never want any of them to go away feeling like it's their fault because I've reacted in a way, in a situation, because typically lots of arguments come from there's something else going on. It's not even about that what's happening between the two people that are arguing at, the, at that moment. 
there's something else. And I remember there lots of times thinking, this is my, I remember going into my bedroom when I was a kid thinking, God, this is my fault. What have I done? What did I do? And I, it wasn't about me at all. I'm not saying I was completely blameless because there were times when I did behave badly, but generally I was a pretty good kid and it wasn't about me. It was about an argument that was going on and they just took it out on me. And so I've always, whenever that's happened, I've always been very careful if there's been an instant where I've, I've got annoyed at my kids, which I rarely do, and I, I'm very, very grateful for being very patient, that I've said to them, look, that wasn't about you. Yes, you might have done this bit wrong, but actually my reaction was more about me. And so this is something that I've talked about with Lel, who uh, runs aware parenting workshops and, and does a lot of work in that area, which is incredible. I've never wanted to have a favourite. I would say that there are, with three children, there are stronger connections, there are stronger connections with a child more than another child. But the challenge for me, and I would say for any parent, is to try and find the ways that you can connect with a child that you don't obviously connect with, or you connect more with another one. But if, you, if there's one that you don't connect with enough, then it's trying to find ways that you can, because that's really important. So I don't have a favourite child, and I don't believe I treat them differently. The only thing I would say which has been a real challenge for me, I would say that Jude has been, because I, I don't understand, he's my eldest the one with ADHD, I don't understand the way his brain works, the way he thinks, the way he does stuff. So because I've really struggled with that, I've at times been harder on him and I've given him a really tough time when he hasn't done things the way I think he should have done things. Even though I've done some research and I've watched and read things that have tried to help me understand what's going on for him. And I talked to him and he explained stuff to me. However, I'm not in his head, so I really don't understand the way his brain works. And it is different to the way that my brain works. And that's been a real challenge. So if I look back on it now, I'd say that whilst I believe I have the same relationship with each kid and I don't favour one at all, and I've tried to parent them all the same way, Jude has been the most challenging because he is different, in inverted commas. And picking up that point of challenging, how challenging is it to be a parent? Wow. It is by far and away the most challenging thing I have ever done in my life, and I believe I ever will do in my life. I've got to believe a lot of life still to live, but so far, 53, it's bloody tough. And if I'd have known now, I asked this to somebody the other week when I did a podcast with them and asked them this question. If you knew now what you, you know, would you, would you still become a dad? And he sort of went, oh, I don't know. I would always pick to be a dad because of the importance of connection, being able to help and guide my children and make them be the best versions of that they possibly can. So I would do that. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't, being honest, I've talked to my daughter about this, I wouldn't have three because you're outnumbered. And I think the dynamic of, depending on your partner, and um, right now I'm, I'm divorced, so I parent on my own. I only have them half the week. But it's still, you're outnumbered and, and depends on your parent, depends on your dynamic and the way that you parent as partners. And there were lots of things that we agreed on in the past. We very much saw parenting in the same way, but she was a particular type of person and I was a very different type of person and that didn't really work. And I think having three 
wasn't a good number because it was too many for us. So being a dad is unbelievably challenging, but by far and away the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. And I've done lots of different things, but what I get back from my children, the connection, the conversations, the interactions, the experiences we've had together, the holidays I've been on with them, the things we've seen, the things we've done, the things they recount to me, the things they tell me back to me that they have said because I've told them that, that's so unbelievably rewarding. I can't, it, it almost makes me want to cry now because it's so incredible to know that you have made as a human being such a huge difference to little people or, or people that are so important to you that you love so much. So I would absolutely advocate being a dad to anybody. I think you need to really think through what kind of dad you want to be and to talk to as many people as you possibly can before. That's not really going to prepare you that much because no one can prepare you for the experience that you're going to have with your child or children because who can? But I would always advocate talk as much as you possibly can to as many people as you can who are close to you who want to talk to you rather than keep it locked up in your head, which is what I did, because it is challenging and you want to be able to share stuff that comes up for you because it's good to talk and it's good to hear somebody else say, oh my God, yeah, which is why I'm doing this podcast is for other people who listen to me talk and anybody else who I have on my podcast talk about their challenges, their issues and go, oh my God, yeah. I felt like that, but I didn't know where to place that, but now I do. Or I had that problem and you've helped me with the solution or, or thinking through stuff. So that is why I think, as I said before, talking to many people is, is, is so important. I've mentioned this before, but I think communication and talking with your kids is so unbelievably important. There is no guarantee that the child, and I know my children don't do this, are going to share stuff deep, their deepest fears, their thoughts, whatever else. But the more you open the dialogue between you as a parent and your child, the more likely you are to help them deal with challenges and issues that come up for them and help them understand that there are times, again, I think one of my kids had issues with being bullied that two of them had issues with being, they all have actually, they all had issues with being bullied and trying to help them understand that often it's, it's, it's not about them, it's about the other person and what's going on for them and helping them understand that not to take that on personally and believe it's all their fault and they're bad and they're terrible and they're awful because those are really negative emotions and not good feelings to hold on to. I've helped them navigate and understand that it, it's through their way through that. So communication in life in general, not just with children, but particularly in this case, I'm talking about being a dad. I'd say as a dad, it's so important to open up and be there for your kids and share and not be afraid to share stuff. I've shared with them things, my challenges, my issues, and I've talked to them almost like peers at times. They're older now, so I can do that more. But I've always been very open with them. Why am I holding stuff back? Because if I can share things that have come up for me to help them understand, as long as I've got a positive spin on the story, or even if it's negative, I can talk about my feelings and express myself. It, it I believe it will help them and make a difference to them. But very, very rarely gone to being able to go to my dad. I'm grateful that he's still alive. Never talk to him. 
about, oh, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z, and can you help me with, he's just not, he doesn't have that ability. And whilst I have a better relationship with him now, albeit he lives on the other side of the world, but when we speak, and we speak pretty regularly, I, I, I don't go to him and ask him for his advice. And he can give some advice in general terms, but I would not pick my father as being somebody to go to to offer advice, which is disappointing, and I, and I wished I could have done that more, and to be able to go to him to help me and guide me, but that didn't happen for me. So I had to work out a lot of it, a lot of it myself. I, almost all of this came from my own journey through my life, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, and therefore picking to do the opposite to, for something that happened to me that I didn't like, didn't feel good about, and not wanting that, as I said before, to happen to my kids. So all of that stuff, but I'm disappointed, I'm, I'm sad, that whilst I appreciate my dad and he does love me and he's there for me, I wasn't able to go to him for advice. And, and I, w I would want my children to always be, as teenagers, young adults, adults, to, to feel like they can always come to me and I'll be there and I'll truly listen to them and be present and to be able to give them advice that they need in whatever the situation is. And if I talk about my dad now, I've mentioned him before in, this, in the pod, but how did he make me feel? He didn't make me feel good. And I often felt, as I said before, very alone. I missed the interaction, particularly my dad. I was lucky because he used to take us, my brothers and I, to start with for a period of time to football. So we had that shared experience of going to football. And then he was very into football. So he managed our football teams when we were in the same teams as we grew older or different teams, whatever. He was there in that sense. He used to manage the team. But the day-to-day -day and the here and now and the communication and the, the, did he support me? Did he love me? Of course he did. Did he, was he there? He wasn't, he wasn't there. And was I proud of him? No, I was embarrassed by him. I always saw my dad in the same way for as long as I can remember throughout my childhood and adulthood. I was disappointed by him and then disappointment's not a great feeling to be, to be sitting with. And as I said, I've accepted him for who he is. What were his defining principles? What did he stand for? What was he all about? I don't know that I can tell you any of those things because I don't really know. What he did teach me, which I taught my children, but I don't know if that was by, by choice or the type of person he was, was I became independent. I had to do, we were taught, my brothers and I, to do things. Earning money, having responsibility to do things, learning how to do things, that was something that was just a given for me. And that was a good lesson and something now that I absolutely instill in my kids and tell them, you do as much as you can on, on your own. There's a phrase that I've that I come up come up with and I tell them is the more you do, the more you can do. And that for me just feels right. And I hope that's so that's something that I've learned from my dad. But as I said, I don't know whether that was by him choosing to tell me that or do that or not. He was he was strict, he was harsh. He, he he loved me and he loved all of all of us and he did things for us. And there were some moments in my life that I look back on and go, wow, there's a couple of points particularly, which I won't share in detail because it's not that's not appropriate. But there were times where he did do some things that were big things that he did that, that, that showed me that he loved me. So as I said, I don't doubt for one second that he absolutely does and did love me. I know that. But... He just wasn't there for me. He didn't give me what I needed. I was a sensitive little boy and I needed to be held and looked after by my dad 
and he didn't do that and he's taught me that I need to to be there for my kids that it's so important for me to to do what I need to do as much as I can for them I didn't connect with him emotionally at all I don't know what I can tell you that I really loved about him there was nothing that I really loved about him did I what didn't I like about him well I think I've answered that question I've, I've told you that I just didn't like the way he was. I remember there's one defining moment in my life where I was a teenager, I think. I can't remember my, my age, but I remember sitting around a table after he'd come back from work and we used to eat together as a family. And I remember because this is the kind of middle child, uh, defiant, would say things unlike my brother's, where I'd say to him, why don't you, I remember saying, why don't you talk? Because he didn't talk. Why don't you talk, Dad? Why aren't you talking to us when you come home from work? And this was his response. His response was, well, you know, I do all the talking during the day. I'm tired. I don't want to have to come home and talk to you. That was 30 years ago, at least, maybe 40 years ago. I can remember that moment as if it was yesterday. And the words that he said, like I'm telling you now, that's exactly the way it was. And that was so hurtful. I would never want to feel, to, for my children to feel, or anyone to feel, but certainly my children in this case, to feel the way I felt. What didn't, what didn't he give me? He didn't show me the smarts in life. Some smarts I've worked out for myself, but the, the way to navigate your way through life, the way, the importance of, of work and how to navigate your way through work and that part of life, being an adult, he just wasn't there to, as someone to go to, to, to give you advice. My dad wasn't there as somebody that I could go to and fall back on and be able to talk to. And I really wish that, that I did have that. So I didn't open up to him. And I did wish I could. Men, not me, I was then, struggled with being open and being able to express myself. And, and I couldn't do that. He didn't do that I don't remember ever seeing him cry or be emotional and I want him to be able to share how he felt because that would have helped me understand that I can it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to show your emotions and actually it's a, it's courage it's courageous it's a strength it's not what you're told and how men are perceived to be strong and this absolute rock and what you know there's power in being vulnerable there's a real gift in, in having that, in feeling what comes up for you rather than pushing it down and locking it away and not being... And I wasn't taught that. I never understood that. And that's something that I wished he taught me and wished he'd opened up to me. And he just never did that. I don't remember seeing him showing his feelings ever. He was completely detached, as I've said before. Tends to be angry, and I understood now where that comes from he was afraid I didn't really think of him as, as being a man that was afraid I, I perhaps I put him on a some kind of pedestal and that was not great because to be at the receiving end of anger and him shouting at you and then at times when he used to hit you that was awful and that's why I've never hit my kids and never would do and try to be as calm and present in the moment going back to the aware parenting I'd always advocate that without realizing that aware parenting existed until I met Lael and she talked about it but it's something that I would absolutely advocate that anyone follows because the more aware you are, the, the better you can be as a parent, the more you can give your child. And I didn't 
really understand that. And then, funny enough, interesting what comes out of talking about being an aware parent is what I've often done, and I've probably talked about this a lot in this podcast, is I've talked about my experiences in child and things that have affected me, good and bad, and then trying to parent according to that prerequisite, that, that kind of rule book of things I've made up and experiences, not made up, experiences I've had that have tried to guide me in the way I've done things. When actually I'm trying to project my stuff onto my children and make them get annoyed with them because they're not doing things that I think they should be doing and telling them off when they're not doing stuff, when if I'm present and I am an aware parent, then I wouldn't do that. And I've learned that very recently that that's what I'm doing. And I know a lot of parents do that. I think we would, a lot of people would be very guilty of exactly what I've just said. And it is a real challenge. In that moment, when something comes up, a trigger or a thing a child says or does that reminds you of something that you did or didn't do or wished you could have done or wished you could have said or whatever it is, that you then go into this whole oh, well, I'm just going to tell you to do, and you're wrong, and this is bad because of something that comes up for you. It is being able to, and again, there's a podcast I've done with Lael where we talk about this, about you know taking a step out, uh, removing yourself from that situation, going out of the room, taking time out to really think about what's happening, and then you can come back and really have a different conversation with the child because in the moment you can be angry you can be triggered you can be upset you can have a lot of emotion in there it's often not a good thing because then your response your reaction what you say is not going to be what is really coming up for you so that is something that I've learned very recently that I would absolutely advocate and something that I'm learning now to be aware and not to project my stuff onto my kids. And I've talked about it with them and I've explained to them stuff that happens. So I really hope that has been a summary for me of the key things that come up for me about being a dad. It is really challenging to be a dad, but I would advocate it to anybody. As long as you communicate with as many people as you possibly can to help you along the way. Never be afraid to ask somebody for, for advice or guidance because that will help you grow. To always communicate with your partner if you've got a partner and to be on the same page in, in lots of decisions which from my own experience we were, I was with my partner but there were some things we weren't and so I'd always try to, to find a, a common ground for the two of you as much as you possibly can. How would I want to be remembered by my kids is... A man who was there for them, who cared for them, who loved them, who everything he gave them everything he could, who was somebody they could go to when they needed to, and shared in, in great moments and happy times and sad times, but taught them how to be in the world. Yeah, look, it's really sad for me. It makes me kind of cry now, but I, I really love being a dad, and it's my greatest achievement. And I would always want my children to think of me as the best dad and did the best I could for them. And I always try to do that. So, yeah, I think that's a good place to to end. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to More Real Dads. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you've learned something along the way. If you found the podcast useful, 
please continue to listen as I'll have more great conversations with men who openly share their experiences of fatherhood. And please share with anyone you know who would benefit from listening. Thank you as always for your support.